welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. This morning I'm breaking from our normal uh, sermon series in Ephesians and uh, putting a special emphasis on marriage. Zach and Melissa's anniversary was uh, this week and... Um, they talked to me about uh, renewing their wedding vows. Uh, now that they're um, believers, uh, I felt like that would be something they'd like to do. It uh, has much more significance when you uh, know the Lord. And uh, so I thought that uh, it would be wonderful to incorporate that into our service this morning. And so I wanted to have this um, emphasis of marriage, marriage as God intended and uh, we'll only have time this morning to just have a uh, overview of uh, some of the main the main truths that we see in God's word related to um, what God has planned uh, and we get to uh, chapter 5 in Ephesians we'll be able to get into some of the details a bit more well as you know the the world is constantly seeking for peace and contentment but uh, because they rejected God's way They'll, they'll never find it. Um, I was talking to a man, I suppose he's in his late 40s earlier this year, and I asked him if he had a family. And he said he'd, he'd uh, had a, a girlfriend uh, for um, many years, but he had no plans to get married. And he said, uh, why should I mess up a good thing? And uh, I un- understood that to mean uh, he wants all the benefits without any real responsibility, without any real commitment. And uh, I'm afraid that there's very few people uh, today that know the true joy and blessing of marriage as God intended. Well, we know God made Adam to be the head or to the leader, and and he gave Eve to be his wife, to be at his side, to to help him. But as we look at the, the records um, very quickly into Genesis 3, we see the fall where both Adam and Eve left this order of headship and submission that God had given them. And we see uh, also in chapter 3 the fall and the curse. And this brought many complications into the marriage relationship. Remember uh, from verse um, 13, well, later in chapter 3, where the Lord is uh, speaking to the wife. He says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And that reference there of the curse is, is a reference to the, this dissatisfied struggle or self-willed people self-centered people in the marriage relationship. And it's a result of, uh, of this uh, sinful fallen nature that we have, this struggle, this conflict that's often there. Sin produces this conflict, this power struggle uh, with, within the marriage. But in Christ, God gives us His grace, gives us His power to live in harmony according to his plan. So let's look at uh, God's plan a bit this morning. First of all, I want you to 
Notice that God planned that marriage is permanent. Obviously, sin always brings complications into uh, relationships, but this is His plan for us. Notice verse 24, where He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And this really speaks of this God's design for a total commitment of the total person in this relationship. It's not a, it's not a 50-50 uh, situation. It's uh, both individuals committed 100% to each other. I, I like to uh, talk about a super glue mentality where he says there, hold fast. The, the, the man is to hold fast to his wife. Uh, that's the, the, the attitude that, that we should have in our marriages. It's a it's a super glue mentality. In other words, it's not meant to be separated. It's not, we're going to try it out for a while. And that seems to be the, the modern attitude of um, many couples. Of, we're, going to, we're going to try try out each other. Or we're going to live together um, for a while and see how that goes. Uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of like the press stick mentality. <laughs> we'll just... We'll just make provision to remove uh, this relationship. No, God, God's uh, given us His perfect plan. Uh, and that should be something that we strive for and that we have set our minds to. Uh, secondly, marriage requires submission. In both of these passages, in, in Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3, we see this as a major emphasis of those uh, portions of scripture on this topic and it doesn't just apply to the marriage relationship though as you, as you probably well know it's a part of the Christian life and uh, that's this first sub point I want us to think about that we as believers are to submit to Christ um, the world teaches us to seek our rights promote ourselves and so submission, according to the world, is not one of the keys to success in life. But as God sees it, there can be no success in the Christian life without submission. And so submission to Christ is foundational to the Christian life. It begins at our salvation and it continues in our daily walk with Him. But uh, we all know that the flesh stands ready to rear its head up and to demand its own way our sense of self-importance, our pride, all of these sinful attitudes get in the way and we rebel against the wisdom of God. But God's design for us is that we be fully submitted to Him. He's not, he's not just part of our life, He is our life. Uh, notice Colossians chapter 3 and how Paul says it there. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. And he's speaking of, uh, in other words, if you're a believer, if you have this relationship with Christ, and as he said in Ephesians 2, that we're, we're raised up into new life and seated with Him in the heavenly places. We're in Christ. He says, if that is so, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on things that are on the earth, for, uh, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so Paul is trying to lift up our minds and our thinking to see our position in Christ. And when we recognize that, then Christ becomes at the center of our life. He, he's not just on the periphery. He's not just here on part of our life, but he's brought right into the middle of our life, right into the middle of our homes, and everything that we do, everything we decide, our, our direction, our focus, all of those things are centered on Christ. What would the Lord have us to do? What is his will? And we're seeking to follow him and submit to him. Well, that leads us to the second point of subpoint is that that of submitting to one another. And uh, when we're rightly submitted to Christ, then we're able to submit to one another. One Peter five and verse five, we read for you, likewise, you younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so that is a message for all of us, isn't it? Not just those that are married, but in every relationship within the, within the body of Christ, there is this call to not only submit to the Lord, but to submit to one another. In Ephesians 5, this passage that uh, really speaks to the marriage relationship, before that, even going back into, into chapter 4, Paul shows us what it looks like to submit to the Lord and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to, to walk with Him and, and to uh, yield to Him. And at the end of that section in verse uh, 21, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, it's it's in view of Christ that we submit to one another. It's our worship of Him. And then Paul will apply that truth of submission specifically to the marriage relationship. Uh, but he doesn't uh, apply it in the exact same way to the husband and the wife. Uh, let's look at this third point. He says that wives are to submit to their husbands. And this, uh, as we take the whole context and also 1 Peter 3, uh, context, I've listed it this way. Wives who respect their husbands with submission. Uh, let me give you a few verses here that pull this together. Notice verse 22 in Ephesians. He says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. He says the same thing in Colossians 3.18. Uh, this way, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. And so, again, our relationship to the Lord is in view when we think about the marriage relationship. And he's, as he speaks to wives here, he's, he's saying, uh, submit to them because this is what is right before the Lord. And we're to do it unto the Lord. In other words, it's part of our serving Him. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, Likewise, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Well, I've found over the years, 
uh, here in South Africa that there's not many churches that are teaching on this subject. Or if they do, they're not being very accurate. And I found that uh, many wives are without understanding of what the Scripture actually teaches about submission. There's a lot of wrong perspectives and wrong thinking about what it means for the wife to submit to the husbands. And sometimes it helps to, to look at what it doesn't mean, what, what a word or, a, or truth doesn't mean. And so let's do that just briefly. First of all, submission, or the wife's submission to the husband, does not imply that she is inferior or in any way less important than he is. The Scriptures clearly teach us that the man and the woman is created in the image of God, equal before God. But being equal does not mean that they are the same. And there's a, a big movement today, as you know, for uh, this idea that we are the same, or to try to, to teach that uh, men and women are the same. And that's even to the extreme of removing gender completely. Uh, so that there is no, no difference. And you just can decide what you are. Uh, and so we find the foolishness of the world is um, <clears throat> becoming more and more extreme when the word of God is rejected, when the wisdom of God is not listened to. God made men and women differently according to his plan for them. We go back to Genesis in the beginning. Uh, he says, Then the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so the wife in the marriage relationships should see herself as designed by God to support her husband in the task of doing the will of God. Uh, again, this, this word helper, this truth of being a helper. It does not imply lesser importance, but he's speaking to the function, the role that he's designed for the wife. Uh, God, through the Old Testament, is referred to as our helper. That certainly doesn't imply that God is somehow less or less important because he helps us. Uh, the Holy Spirit was sent in Acts 2 to be our what helper. Uh, John 14, 16, Jesus uh, spoke of that truth that he would come, the parakletos, and uh, that's translated variously, helper, encourager, mediator, comforter. It literally means one being called to one side, and that's what the Holy Spirit has done. He's come to dwell in us, and he is with us. He, he helps us by consoling, encouraging, mediating on our behalf. He's our Helper. In a similar kind of way, the wife is called to be the helper, called to the side of the husband in the marriage relationship. Well, also, submission does not imply blind obedience, and uh, where the, the wife is just like a doormat that is just walked over without any consideration, where she doesn't have a part in the decision-making processes where she's not um, involved in the exercise of the, the management responsibilities of the, of the home and, and all of the like, uh, that's certainly not God's design. Where uh, 
submission is used as a basis for sub, sub, uh, subjugation or uh, verbal or physical abuse. And some have used or misused God's word to conduct themselves in this way, where they're, they're just taking advantage of the wife and to put her down uh, with insults and all of the like. And certainly, those are all sinful, wrong attitudes and actions. And so those are some things that submission is not. It's important to remember that the leadership of the man and the submission of the wife was not a result of... Um, it was part of God's plan from the very beginning for a perfect marriage relationship. Uh, John Piper said it well when he wrote, When sin entered the world, it ruined the harmony of marriage, not because it brought headship and submission into existence, but because it twisted them. It twisted man's humble, loving headship into hostile domination or lazy indifference. It twisted woman's intelligent, willing submission into manipulative deference or brazen insubordination. Sin didn't create headship and submission. It ruined them and distorted them and made them ugly and destructive. Well, some people will, will just dismiss the teaching of Scripture on this subject and say, well, it's, it's just old-fashioned or it's out of date. Well, the, the truth is biblical submission was never in fashion. Uh, it was never something that the world followed stands in contrast to the wisdom of the world, in fact. If we go back to um, uh, this truth of respect here, in Ephesians 5, if you notice that section, uh, it ends in verse 33 with a, a summary statement of what Paul had said on the topic of the husband and the wife and how they reflect the uh, relationship between Christ and the church. And he, and he says in verse 33, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so he summed up what he said about the wife's submission by talking about respect. Re let her, the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, being respectful is a basic Christian value, respecting others. But it's especially important for the wife to show respect to her husband. It's something that God has pointed out. He's, he's highlighted. It's not that the husband doesn't also respect her, but he's put the focus here upon the areas where we need the help, where we need to be admonished. So, ladies, do you want to help your husband? Do you want him to be the leader? Show him respect. Be his encourager. Be at his side. And by God's grace, he can become more of what he should be. And God has given you to help him lead and to be what God called him to be. Well, let's look at this last point I have this morning, and that relates to the husband. Husband who leads with love. Back in Ephesians 5, verse 23, he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. And so he's talking about the man being the head or headship. And again, it doesn't 
It doesn't imply that the, the man is more important or has more value in this relationship, but again, the order that God designed. He speaks of this headship in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 3. It says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now that last little phrase there helps us to understand and know for certain that he's not talking about importance or priority because Christ and God are one. There's no inequality within the Godhead. And Christ, he says, um, is in this role of being subject to the Father. And, and so when that is applied, as he does here, to the, the marriage relationship where, the, where the, the, the man is head of the woman, he's, he's teaching this role that God wants the man to take within the relationship to lead. It speaks of his leadership responsibility. He is responsible for the direction of the family. And he is under himself the headship of Christ. And so he he's, has a responsibility and he is accountable directly to the Lord. Notice the qualifications that um, Paul gave Timothy. He wrote there in 1 Timothy 3 about elders or pastors. Uh, he's, in that context, he says, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? And so one of the responsibilities here to be an elder, to lead the church, would be this basic responsibility of leading your home, of managing, use the word to manage your his own household well, or you could translate that rule, his own household well. He, he, he's responsible to God. Now, the, as the case is then and now, the wives may do the majority of the work in the home, taking care of the children, managing aspects of, the, of, of what happens day to day. She may be one that looks after the finances or many other things. Uh, she may be gifted to have more discernment about many things, decisions, but ultimately the man is responsible and uh, he should let his wife help him where he needs help. But he is responsible. So he's to be engaged in what goes on. He's to take responsibility for the family, making sure that things are moving in the direction that God would have. And his leadership is to be patterned after Christ's love for the church. Because the sin, as sin came in, headship and leadership turns into domination, doesn't it? And so the Lord will instruct men that this uh, leadership is to be with a sacrificial love, agape love. And Christ Jesus is our, an example, our standard for what it means to love and to sacrifice self. Uh, in Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There's our standard, an example. 
the Lord Jesus Christ and how that he loved and how he uh, followed what God the Father would send him to do. And we're to imitate that, all of us, and especially the men in this role of leadership. Paul describes this sacrificial love in the context of marriage as the husband caring for his wife. Go back and look at um, Ephesians 5. You'll, you'll see the description there of, of how Christ cares for the church. And he says the, the, the man is to care for his wife as he cares for himself. In other words, the, we care for ourselves naturally. It is, a, it is a natural for us to take care and to um, uh, make sure that we get what we need. And so he's applying that to his responsibility as a leader, that he would, in the same way, care for his wife. The Lord's not commanding the, the man to, to love himself or to care for himself. That's natural. And, and many times it's to a sinful degree. But what he's saying, the way you naturally care for yourself, put that into practice and give attention and, and care <clears throat> to the needs of your wife. <clears throat> I often hear <clears throat> this... Uh, statement of kind of jokingly about the man flu. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that or not. It's the implication that when men get flu, it's the flu, it's worse than when women get flu. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that the flu is any worse, it's just because the men are, you know, they, they suffer more or it seems like they're needing more help or complaining more or whatever, the man flu. Well, that just speaks to the reality that um, we care for ourselves. And our own needs. And the Lord wants us, commands us to care for our wives with that same kind of attention, determination, and love. Biblical love stands in contrast to the world's standard of love. And, and it was just as radical in Paul's day, in fact, more so uh, when he's speaking to the men about this kind of sacrificial love for their wives, it was, it was very, very strange to their ears as they, Paul's teaching about the, the, the marriage relationship. And the teacher's commentary has this note, what a contrast with the pagan view. Suddenly things are reversed. The wife is transformed from an unimportant adjunct who exists only to meet her husband's needs to a person of intrinsic worth and value, becoming the focus for, sorry, the focus of her husband's concern. Instead of demanding that she live for him, he begins to live for her. Rather than keeping her under, he seeks to lift her up. Christian headship lifts the wife up as the rightful object of a husband's loving concern. So men, is your love sacrificial? Does it, does it cost you anything? Or maybe you're like the, the young man who poured out his heart's devotion on paper as he, as he wrote to the girl of his dreams. And he says, Darling, I will climb the highest mountain, swim the widest stream, cross the burning desert, and die at the stake for you. And then his P.S., he writes, I'll see you on Saturday if it doesn't rain. <laughs> So, you know, it's easy to talk about our devotion, isn't it? Uh, the Lord wants us to put it into action. Tom Constable, his commentary 
Notes writes, love requires an attitude of unconditional acceptance of an imperfect person, not based on her performance, but on her intrinsic worth as God's gift to her husband. Love requires sacrificial action. It involves doing something, specifically placing the wife's needs before his own, such as doing something for her that she hates to do. It also involves self-denial, such as giving up something he would enjoy doing to do something she would like to do. This kind of love arises out of a commitment of the will, not just passing feelings. Well, this love is not only sacrificial, it's also understanding. And 1 Peter 3, 7 makes this point. He says, likewise, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Men, to have an understanding love, you must consider your wife's needs, emotions, concerns, and care for her in an understanding way. Now, that doesn't come natural for us. We're just not, just don't normally think that way. And so we have to purpose to understand her needs and care in that way. We must make the effort. Uh, notice in that verse, he says, showing honor. Uh, this, this word is used to speak of the worth or value of something. And a husband lo- love requires that he treats his wife in such a way that he values her for who she is. Considering God's value he places upon her. And Peter points out here that she is equal, co-heirs of the grace of life. And so he's removing any thoughts that somehow in God's mind, because um, he's placed the man in the place of leadership, that he's somehow ranked, uh, has more... um, spiritual importance or something. No, he's, he's, he's making the point very clear that that is not the case. And he's warning that if you fail to make this effort, if, you're, if you disregard this instruction, then you've broken fellowship with God. He says your prayers may not be hindered. In other words, if you, if you want uh, to have relationship with God, if you want to walk with Him so that He's hearing your prayers, you better take to heart what I'm telling you. Well, God gives these admonitions in these areas because it is where we need it the most. He he didn't command the wives to love their husbands, although they certainly should. But it's, it's more in their nature to do so. It's easier for them because how God made them. But he does command the wife to submit and to respect. Well, that's much more difficult. And especially if the husband is not leading with love and care. If he's not listening to the Lord, that makes her responsibility much more difficult. But then if it were easy, Paul wouldn't be writing about these things. You'll notice that often the Lord's instructions in areas where he knows we're struggling. We'll struggle. And these church churches struggle. And we also struggle in these areas. And we need this teaching. We need this admonition, specifically where God placed it. 
Man, God holds us accountable for the direction of the home. We are to, to love our wives with caring and sacrificial love. Men need to be respected and wives need to be loved. And in the home, the Christian home, it starts with submission to Christ. It flows from that relationship to one another. So keep in step with the Spirit of God. Walk with Him. Submit to Him. And go with Him in His grace and power so that He's enabling you and empowering you to live within the marriage relationship as God has planned for us. And for those that are they're not in a marriage relationship, there's a majority of what Paul and Peter's written about applies to you as well. The love and submission to one another is part of the Christian life that the Lord has for us and is designed for us. So let's close in prayer, recognizing our our need for God's grace. If you're a, if you are married, you realize that um, uh, what what the Scripture teaches us and commands of us is not really within our power to do. If you if you don't feel a sense of inadequacy and failure at times, and you're not you don't understand what God expects. What God has commanded us can only be obeyed in His strength, in His grace, and in His power. And so we need Him every day in our marriages, in our relationships. And we must be depending on Him and submitting to Him if we think we have a chance of having a marriage that honors the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we do love You and thank You for giving us uh, the marriage relationship. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us in such a way and your plan for us is perfect. We know, Father, that sin has marred and ruined your plan, but we also thank you that through the Lord Jesus Christ, you have saved us and brought us out of the bondage to sin, and you've lifted us up and set us with Christ positionally so that we belong to you. Lord, we pray that you would help us. Uh, We struggle still with the flesh and with our relationships. And uh, we, some are struggle with a mate that is not listening to you, does not know you or is not obedient to you. And so Father, we pray for grace. We pray for strength that uh, you would empower us, enable us, Lord, to obey you and to be the person within this relationship that you've called us to be. May we be people of faith, people of boldness to trust you. Uh, Instead of taking matters into our own hands and trying to do things our own way, uh, trying to force uh, our mate to be what they should be, Father, help us to submit ourselves to your will and to your purpose for us. Our focus be, Lord, on what you've called us to be and called us to do so that you can uh, use us in your work to change our marriages, to make them what you've planned for them to be. And we thank you, Lord, and praise you for this reality that you've given us and uh, for the blessing that 
marriage is for those of us who know you and know what it means to have Christ in our lives. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a closing song together. Please stand.